guys, okay? We're going to start with the pliers and a screwdriver, okay? And if that doesn't get it, they say if you can't fix it, get a bigger hammer, right? And so we're, uh, we're going to get you guys lined out tonight, amen? Ladies, are you happy? <laughs> amen, praise God. Is, is there room, husbands, for us to be better? Always. Huh? Yeah, there you go. Guys, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys. Is there room for improvement? Always. Good answer. Good answer. We're going to find out tonight. I think we're going to talk about this some, but whether it's church, whether it's your marriage, whether it's work, can we settle into a comfort zone spiritually? Yeah, in our marriage, uh, even ball players that make millions of dollars, they can get into a place where they just kind of settle in. And we keep going back to this uh, analogy that Jonathan used, you know, when he said, raise your hands as high as you can. Everybody raised it. He said, now raise it a little bit higher. And we all tried to go a little bit higher when he'd ask us to do it as high as we could the first time, right? But there's, there's some, a lot of truth in that, I, I say it a lot, I do believe there's a better version of each and every one of us. And I've seen, I've seen the Holy Spirit do some things in my life that uh, he's tweaked me in a lot of areas, and I'm thankful for it. There's still some tweaking to be done, though. You, ask, you can ask Bev about it when we, uh, when we were in the car together, right, Bev? <laughs> there's still some tweaking to be be done. But we're going to look tonight. I love this book. Uh, John uh, S. Barnett, The Joy of a Word-Filled Family. I wish everyone in the world could just go through this book on how to be a better person, how to be a better husband or wife, how to have a God, a word-filled family. And then uh, the last one, I just went blank on it. What is it, John? How to prayer. Yeah, prayer life. A word-filled family prayer life. Now you talk about a great ingredient there, the power of prayer. And that's what we were in church uh, four hours Sunday morning there in Ardmore. Four hours. Now how many of y'all would stay with pastor if I had a four hour service? (laughs) Okay. All right. It was powerful. We were talking later uh, with this Rick and Diane and I. It didn't seem that long because it was just the power of God was so so present, but the thing that really uh, struck home with me is Coy Barker. Some of you may know him. He pastored Faith Assembly here in uh, on, at I forty and the crossroads there, uh, I forty and two forty back in the late nineties, I believe it was, or maybe early nineties. He was uh, called into ministry there in Ardmore, and he would work as a butcher and have to be at work at say seven a.m. He would go by the church check into the church at 5 a.m., pray for two hours before he went to work and just call on God. And he said he drove up while he was there back to the old building. They've built a big uh, building there now that seats about 2,000, but this was a little building that where I was at when I was the youth pastor. It would seat about 700 on a, on a packed, 
pack today, but he went back and pulled up in front of the little room where, uh, where God called him. He said, I literally sat there and bawled like a baby. He's been around the world preaching the gospel and the, the good news of Jesus. But prayer, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I get to teach that one, don't I? That's right. You're, you're going to be the one on the family, and then it'll be back to me on the, uh, on the prayer. God really showed me, and it's amazing that tonight Angie brings a book on fasting. Fasting and prayer, I think, is what it's going to take in these end times to see a big, big move of God. And I'm hungry for a move of God. I'm hungry. It's not going to happen if you're not hungry and you don't desire it. But I want my kids, my grandkids, your kids, your grandkids to experience some of the moves of God that I, had, I was privileged to be a part of as a young, young man. So looking forward to that. But we're talking about husbands tonight. So we're going to circle the wagons, bring them back here. How to be an incredible husband. Ladies, do you all have any tips? Before we get started here, <laughs> maybe we'll hit on one of yours tonight. There's going to be 11, 11 things that we're going to talk about. And I love the little illustration. How many of you read the, the little illustration about how when you're married and your wife has a cold or your spouse, I don't know, remember if it's, yeah, it is your wife. Here's how it goes. Your wife has a cold. The first year, sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle, and there's no telling about these things with all this strep throat going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and good rest. I know the food's lousy, but I'll be bringing your meals in from Rosini's. I've already got it all arranged with the hospital's floor superintendent. All right, lovey-dovey, right? Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. The second year, listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I'll... I called Doc Miller, and I've asked him to rush over here. Now, you just go to bed like a good girl, please, just for Papa. <laughs> Third year, maybe you'd better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you something to eat. Have you got any canned soup? <laughs> now it's down to, from Rosini's down to canned soup. Fourth year, now look, dear, be sensible. After you've fed the kids... Wash the dishes and finish the floor, you'd better lie down. <laughs> Starting to get uh, yeah, uh, a little more familiar, right? The fifth year, why don't you take a couple of aspirin? <laughs> All right? Sixth year, I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting around all evening barking like a seal. <laughs> Seventh year, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? <laughs> so, ladies and guys, can anybody relate to that? It, uh, things do change, don't they? And as we talked about a while ago, we settle in to our comfort zone, and we take that other person, what? For granted. The same way we do church. same way we do jobs. The same way we do whatever. We settle in, and instead of... Instead of uh, moving up in our relationship sometimes it, it I think I told you last week if you're not if you're not putting in more deposits than you are withdrawals you're in trouble amen you're in the negative so all right should the should the curve be going the other way 
It should be. We should be more loving. You know, here's the person that you've chosen to spend your life with, and uh, we should be treating each other even, even better, right? So the decline of a marriage as seen through the common cold is a funny look at a not-so-funny reality. Uh, if this husband claims to be a believer, he's obviously lost his way. So uh, here's a scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. I think I put that on the, yes, there it is. Pattern yourselves after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah. It says, he talks about we don't just tell our spouses we love them. We show them, don't we? Show and tell. Anybody remember show and tell in school? We don't just speak it with words. We show them that we love them. Discipling someone is to help them to learn Christ. And I want us to look at this scripture here at the bottom of that. That will kind of be the foundation for this chapter. Ephesians 5, verse number 25. It says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, how do we model Christ uh, to our wives, guys? How many of you guys knew you were a model? Let's start there. You're modeling something every day, right? Compassion. There you go. Good, good one. What else can we model to our wives? Huh? Serving. <clears throat> Excuse me. Goes both ways. Serving. Amen. Patience. That's a good one. That's a good one. These are some good, some good answers tonight. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna look at eleven ways this author uh, says that we can we can be a model. To our wives, and that doesn't mean you go look in the mirror and go, <laughs> all right. Number one, Christ guides us into truth. We must guide our wives into truth. I think the last person you would ever want to lie to would be your wife. Amen. Amen. If if your marriage is not built on honest on an honest relationship, then your foundation is in trouble. Amen. If you're lying and deceiving, uh, it, it's going to crumble quickly and, and fall, right? So John 16, this is the, the scripture for this. I believe I have it. Verse number 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will what? Guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. You know, we must first discipline ourselves to hear, read, study, memorize, meditate on the word. The word is truth. Amen. Anybody found any lies in the Bible? No. The word is truth. Praise God. And, and we can take anything that's in this Bible from cover to cover as the truth of God's word. So we must guide our wives 
into truth. There's a lot of false stuff. We've talked about this many times. John has. I have. Terry has. A lot of Bob has. A lot of different different ones here have talked about in this in this in these last days, deception is rampant. It is rampant. And you 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 almost get to the place where you don't know uh, kind of like uh, Jesus asked Pilate Pilate what is or no Pilate asked Jesus what is truth? What is truth? You listen to CNN, they think, they think they're telling you the truth. You lose, listen to Newsmax, and it's a different truth. So it's so very important that, again, we guide our wives into truth. There may be some questions they have about things. So uh, on the top of page in my book, uh, 86, modeling humility during Bible reading times is crucial. If wives detect any hypocrisy in us or sense that scripture is being used as a weapon against them those times together will lose their intended sweetness and growth in Christ may be hampered he's talking here I guess I probably should have read a little bit of the of the uh, uh, paragraph before that he says we should help our wives establish clear and well reasoned convictions but we're not trying to do it in a you know, I mean, no, it's a lot of times when you're having these discussions with your wife, it's not to have this air of superiority, is it? It's lovingly, gently, discipling. And, but who is, who is the head of the household according to the Bible? See, they're, all, they're pointing at, at John. It's the man. Why do you think God made man the head of the household? Huh? They're not moved by the feelings. Yeah, there you go. That was his. That was his chosen order, wasn't it? He knows that man should be stronger. We mentioned that last week. Not necessarily that you know when he uses that word, the wife is the weaker vessel. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's it's not a slam. It's a good thing because the the husband is to be the what protector of the home, isn't he? He's to be the one. So God appointed him to be the role, the, uh, what, what was the word here? I just lost it. To be the head of the household and to be the, the one that uh, the buck stops here, right? But we don't lord it over them. We talked about that some last week, so I won't spend a lot of time there. We ought to, as servant leaders, also provide a regular, uninterrupted time for our wives to have personal devotions. This is all under this first point one thing I know every morning I don't have to wonder Bev is having her devotion she's going to do two things she's going to exercise on that treadmill I can hear all right (laughs) even though she's upstairs and then it gets real quiet for a while and she's having her time with the Lord is that important so important when she leaves the house and I have I get to be the man in charge of the, of the house, and I have my devotion and my quiet time. She, she goes to bed earlier than I do, and so we, we've, it's, all, it's worked out good for, for us. But anyway, uh, guiding your wives into truth, and I think it's, it's a mutual thing here, is it not? Can the wives sometimes, I know we're talking, we're tweaking the husbands tonight, but is, there's nothing wrong with a woman 
you know, uh, realizing and, and calling to attention something that perhaps her husband might think is truth and really is not truth. And then you discuss it, don't you? And say, you know, that's, that is, uh, you know, maybe, you know, we base, we base our knowledge and our opinions on input, don't we? What we receive, what we hear. And sometimes uh, you, can, you, can, you can be fed the wrong information. And if a wife senses that, that the husband's trying to go down a, a wrong road financially, again, we're a what? Partners, aren't we? We talked about that last week. Your greatest partner is your wife. She's your partner for life, a covenant that you made to her. So, uh, again, uh, very, very important. Guiding us. Any, any comment? Y'all want to say that again tonight? Jump in here. I love it when Brian and John and Jen, different ones, jump in here. So, any comment on this first point? Okay. So, guys, we're, we're to guide them into truth. Because, again, in the, same th- the reverse of that is true. Women can be led astray. The Bible talks a lot about that by false doctrines and stuff in the last day. So we must, we must guard that. Number two, Christ prays for us. We must pray for our wives. How many of you pray for your wives? Amen. Amen. Powerful, isn't it? You speak the word over them and you pray over them. God, give them confidence. Lord, assure them today. You know, help them with their uh, workload, the things that they're going through. Lord, be there with them. And Holy Spirit, just uh, come alongside of them. Those are some things I pray over, Bev, along with whatever the Holy Spirit puts in my spirit. If I know she's facing something that day at work or with her kids, believe me, I'm going to be speaking the word over her. So here's Hebrews 7, 25, I believe it is. Is that the one we... Have Bev? Yes. Therefore, he's able also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christ is praying for us, isn't he? He's interceding to the Father for us. And then he says it again in John chapter 17, verse number 20. If we're to effectively disciple, we must first discipline ourselves to spend quality time in prayer joyfully and thankfully making our request known to him we should regularly arrange time for private intimate conversations to ensure they have our undivided attention wives tend to equate this is question number one it's very important listen up guys wives tend to equate not being listened to with not being loved is that true, ladies? Yeah. Okay. So is it important? Amen, amen. I see the ladies smiling out there. It's very important that we listen to them. And sometimes, I, I don't remember if this is right in this section, but sometimes they're not wanting you to fix anything. They're just wanting you to listen. And, and bend your ear, I guess we could call it. We just, you know, but us guys, you know, we're the, Bev, do you have something? Okay, all right. She's, we had a little, well, I don't know if she wants me to tell her situation Monday. We had a little bit of a deal going down. and all she, 
Okay. She was, it's a lot of work inputting stuff into this. We're off on a homecoming celebration Saturday, Saturday night, 10 o'clock. I mean, late. She's still trying to input things. Somehow it didn't receive it down there in Ardmore. She gets up Sunday morning and has to redo it. She misses 30 minutes of the homecoming celebration, still trying to, to get, still didn't work. And Jen gets here and it's, you know, it's, it was a mess, I'm sure, for, for y'all. And then for the funeral for our, our brother Malcolm, she gets here and it, it's just giving her fits again. And she, I was back there in the, in the room and she just comes in bawling and crying. And of course, Bob just reassured me. He said, Pastor, I, we don't even have to have any of that stuff. He was concerned about her too, but it was just too much. You know, it was just too much. And all I did, I didn't say a whole lot. I just held her. And I think we had prayer together, if I remember right. I, he was trying to get ready for the memorial service, but I just wrapped her in my arms and we just had a quiet word of prayer. I said, honey, it's going to be okay. If I have to go to the piano and sing Amazing Grace, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to make it here. But sometimes that's all they want is just, just, just you to listen to them, just to know that, that, that you love them and they're important to you. Any comments, ladies? Maybe you have a story here. Okay. John. Have you? So my first reaction anytime that she comes to me with a problem is my brain instantly starts thinking, how can I fix it? I've had to learn that it's not always if I can fix it or not. It's just if I am there for her. Yeah, just someone to vent and someone to care, you know, care and understand. You know, and I, me and Rick have had some good, I love to listen to his input. We, we have some good discussions the last, I see Monday night, last night, and again today. We just talk about the, the, the Lord, and uh, one of them I mentioned was even Jesus, when facing his most challenging hour in the garden, remember? What did he want? He, he wanted someone just to, be there with him and pray with him and yet he goes there with all 12 of them and they fall asleep so he takes his three closest ones a little farther and what do they do they fall asleep you know too so it's 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 very important just to just to know someone cares you know I, I care about you and it's not again there's things we just can't fix but we can be there to reassure and so as Christ prays for us, we must pray for our wives. Everybody get question number one, the blank on that? Wives tend to equate not being listened to with not being loved. Now and then, we should also ask our wives if there's anything we have done to hurt or trouble them. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, good, good deal, John. I think I have, have I, a few times, not as much as I should. Have I done anything to hurt you or offend you? And it, then sometimes, you know, depending on their personality, sometimes ladies are carrying some hurts and some things from a week or two ago, maybe, or longer. You know, it's good to get it out in the air, isn't it? And just talk about it and talk through it and, and uh, listen. You know, uh, I think a principle that we all 
husbands and wife could, could glean. There's a lot of knowledge here in this statement I'm about to say. Seek first to understand, then be understood. But we get the cart before the horse. We want her to understand our position and why we feel this way. And, and how about just seeking first to understand her position? Try to put yourself in her shoes and see her perspective. In the same way with the wives, try to put yourself in his position and realize that he's not exactly like you. His personality may be different. His, his, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different things that a man sees differently than a woman, but God knew what he was doing, didn't he? When he made man and woman, and together, man, yeah, they make, you know, last week we talked about being incomplete. We're, we're there to complement each other. We come together as one in marriage, and it can be beautiful and wonderful if both parties are working at it. But that's, I'm glad y'all are here. So hey, let's go into the model prayer here, I call it. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. How many know where it's at in your Bible? Matthew? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the middle of our chapter. Matthew 6. All right. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the, if you look in your Bible, they're all red, red letter. That's where he was doing his, his heavy, heavy teaching and preaching. So he gives them a model. Like we call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. But it's really a model prayer on how to pray is what it is. So he I like that he does this in this book. He says, number one, God is to be acknowledged as our holy, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So he's acknowledged as our heavenly Father who is to be magnified, glorified throughout the earth. Then he goes into all prayer requests must be subjected to God's will. In fact, let's, let's, let's read this before we go through these six or seven points. Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Here it is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we go into petitions. God, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What does he end with? Praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so as we go down through these number three daily necessities should be prayed for even though our heavenly father already knows our needs before we pray matthew 6 8 and 11 says that we are to honor him as the supplier of every good and perfect gift we should pray for forgiving spirits that's the one there forgive us we should daily keep clean accounts with god and others by confessing our sin and asking for forgiveness how many of you have had to ever ask your wife for forgiveness, guys? Yeah, me too. Me too. Every day. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. But well, I've definitely had to. Uh, pursue peace. He's talking about pursuing peace. We should also confess our faults to one another, humbly asking or for or granting forgiveness as needed. How many of you like to be forgiven? I love it. So... What does the Bible say? In the same way that you forgive others, God forgives you. So I better be quick to forgive, hadn't I? I better be quick. And then lastly, we should pray that God will give us power to, de to deny ourselves, resist temptation, 
and deliver us from Satan's onslaughts. And really the one he left out here that I would have added was we end again with praise, right? He didn't really mention that here on the point, the last point. So this is found again in Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13. All right, let's jump to number three. Christ provides all our needs. We must provide for our wives' needs. Philippians 4, 19 says this, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many know that you know that at some point in your life God made a way where there seemed to be no way? Whether it was food or rent or uh, utility bills or uh, gas in your car or whatever. Man, he, he has come through. I've got so many stories in my life where God just gloriously come through. So we're going to talk just a minute here. I think it talks some about uh, finances here a little bit. And then also over in uh, number five, stewardship. We're going to hit it a little bit here. And then also uh, in number five, uh, women in general feel uneasy without financial security. Modeling faith in these great promises is essential as part of the discipling process. Is that true, ladies? Y'all feel a little bit uneasy when the bills are coming in? and Yeah? You like that security? Wow. Yeah. You know, and having been through a lot of uh, abusive relationships where I couldn't make any other uh, relationships that would be supportive for me, I became very much, you know, uh, yeah, really in-depth about survival mode. <laughs> and I know in the premarital counseling, when we go through it, one book that we talk about is His Needs and Her Needs, and that is one of the top Three, if I remember right, in a woman's needs is financial security. So anyway, uh, finances. We should be good financial providers as God enables us. For if anyone does not provide for his own, here's First uh, Timothy 5.8, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an under unbeliever. So we uh, definitely believe when we go through that again that counseling we talk about the husband is the provider the priest and the protector so just this uh, yesterday uh, this couple was with me actually I was walking through uh, a downtown restaurant there and was going back to the to the washroom <laughs> to uh, wash my hands back there and uh, came back out and the young man said I know you and I said I looked at him and Man, your brain is just, you're just kind of spinning, spinning, spinning. I thought, who is this guy? Is he one of my customers? Has he been to my church? Have I sold him a house? I mean, your brain, and he said, I'm Dennis Lee. And uh, anyway, got to visit, visiting with him some there. And uh, he talked about he's he's made a lot of money in his lifetime. But he said now he's he's realizing that, and that's kind of what this next point is about, says marriage partners should identify actual needs versus mere wants. 
right? He said, I've made a lot of money, but I wish now if I had it to do over, I would, you know, not worry so much about making tons and tons of money, but I would be there more for my children when they were little and be there actively involved in their lives as well. So it's not just, you know, finances are important in, in the mix of being a good, uh, a good husband and father, but also, uh, you, you, I've seen work, anybody ever seen a workaholic, you know, where it's just, yeah, just go, 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 and you neglect the most important. So make sure there's balance there. We must provide for our wives' needs. Number four, any comments? Yes. He's a workaholic. Joe, all right. He works hard, doesn't he? He works hard. Number four, Christ keeps his promises. Is that important? says that we must keep our promises. You know, sometimes things can happen where you don't get to keep that promise. I look back, you know, even raising my kids, being in ministry, sometimes you're, you've got something planned with them and somebody's just had an auto accident and they're rushing them to the ER and you had to turn and leave that ball game or you had to you know, go uh, attend to a crisis or, or something. And I had to perhaps even break a promise that I had promised them we're going to do this or do that or I'm going to be there. And then, lo and behold, here we go. We're off in ministry. But the thing I think he's talking about here is it, it can become a pattern in someone's lives. Oh, I promise we're going we're gonna to go to Disney next year. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, get us a boat next year we're going to do this or do that and you know before long whether it's your wife or your kids and you you keep making promises and you don't follow through then not good amen not good in fact deuteronomy uh, 7 9 says this therefore know that the lord your god he is god the faithful god who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments and then the latter part of that in our book, it mentions all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God. Keeping promises by following through with commitments is a matter of what? Integrity. And that's question number two. The blank there on number two is integrity, which is part of what we learn to be as Psalms 15 men. John taught on that. Y'all remember that? All the qualities of the Psalms. 15 man. So number five, we're hurrying here. Christ models stewardship. We must model stewardship. What is stewardship? Accountability, isn't it? Being accountable. How we make financial decisions can set the tone for a healthy or destructive marriage relationship. Disagreement over money Issues is one of the top reasons many spouses end up in divorce court. I can't tell you. In fact, well, I probably can. Probably of all the counseling I do, I would say that's one of the right up at the very top, top, top issues. I mean, there are some other things that are right in the same mix, but it's it can uh, it can create big, big problems when you know when. Let's just throw an example out there. Uh, you know, right now everybody's suffering through inflation. 
double-digit inflation. And, you know, the husband works, and he comes home, and he's been wanting a set of golf clubs. And all of a sudden, you know, all you're, all you're, all you're doing, you know, is just barely be able to pay the, pay the bills. And uh, it's not a good time. It's not a good time to want those golf clubs, is it? You gotta, got to uh, put that on hold. And I, I remember, uh, you know, going through some of this as a young man. You know, it's, you know, you sometimes think to you, hey, we got, we got $50, you know, left in the bank account here at the, at the end of the month. Why don't we go and do, do this? Well, no. You learn after a while. It takes a few years, but you learn that that $50 is kind of a cushion for the next month, you know, and then I encourage uh, every couple, you know, to, to have an emergency uh, an account where you've got a cushion there where money can, can, can stress your marriage to the max. And I know Dave Ramsey, uh, you know, has a great, and I encourage in our counseling sessions for couples to go through the Dave Ramsey, how to manage your money, you know, how to, to you know, honor God with 10%. Put 10% in a savings account and then uh, pay the rest of the bills and just watch. Watch God work, right? Put him at the top of the list. Honor God with the first fruits of your increase. Then put 10% more in savings and then, you know, well, I just can't pay my bills. Okay, then you need to cut back somewhere, you know. You just figure out ways to, to, to cut back. And uh, Bev and I have been blessed. Uh, we have been debt-free now for, I guess, five or six years but it was a goal we set a goal and uh, we had to do some extra work we flipped a couple houses we did some things to to get there but we didn't want this we didn't want to go into retirement with a house payment and a car payment and a, this payment and that payment and because uh, your income when you go into retirement is drastically reduced so we we put this model to work ever since we started this church 10 percent of everything we've made or more has come into this church and we've put 10 percent in savings or in a 401k and then we've lived on whatever is is left so again being good good stewards right everybody got it any comments or questions on that uh, i think there was another scripture do we have first peter 3 7 husbands in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. We talked about this last week. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So that's a, a scripture there that goes along with this. Uh, let's jump on down to number six. We're moving along. Unless you've got a question. Christ bears our burden, so we must bear our wives' burden. And that comes back under the protector again, doesn't it? And the priest. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burdens are light. God gave us strong shoulders, and we come alongside our wives, and we do protect her, and we, we help her with all the things that would try to weigh her down and burden her down. We encourage our wives uh, to not only grow in their relationship with Christ, but also just in their own uh, uh, lives as individuals. How many of you guys want your wives to be successful and to do the things that 
God's called her to do. You don't want to lord it over her. You want to give her the freedom uh, that, that, that God wants to give to her uh, to, to accomplish her dreams and her goals. And you're alongside cheering her on, aren't you? Just the same way she should be used. So another great point here. Sometimes wives take on more than they can handle because they have trouble saying no. Anybody ever have to work on that? Yeah, we can take on more than we can handle. And uh, sometimes it's, and it's tough, isn't it? I'm one of those guys. I've wrestled with that my whole life. I want to help everybody. I want to do this, do that, do this. And then I meet myself coming and going, and I'm like, why did I tell them I'd do that? You know, right? And John's got such a, a giving, serving heart, too. Pastors are that way. You, you just, you can overload yourself quick. So, uh, again, back to our wives. We've got to help them uh, carry their burdens. A good rule of thumb is to ask our wives not to accept any new responsibilities without first checking with us. Our desire should be to help our wives achieve balance in what is accepted. I want to, uh, can we discuss that for a second? Did that sound kind of harsh or not? Our men, let's see, let me read it again. A good rule of thumb is to ask our wives not to accept any new responsibilities without first checking with us. What do you all think about that, ladies? She just said that too. Inquiring minds think, no, think alike. Uh, yeah, it does. It really does. She's looking out for him. And again, it's in the, it's, it must be done in the right spirit, right? It's not like I'm trying to lord it over you and say, no, I don't want you doing that. It's like, honey, uh, I love you. And are you sure? Uh, you know, I, I really don't think you should try to bite off that big of a bite. You know, you've already got this and this, and we've got, especially when you're kids. I mean, just raising kids, that's a, that's a big priority and a big, uh, uh, big thing to have to take care of every day, isn't it? So any other comments on that? What do you think, Bianca? <laughs> there you go. Juan's going to look out for her. She, she, loves, she helps us a lot around here, both Juan and Bianca. But, again, we've got we've to be careful, don't we? We don't bite off too much. Number seven, Christ comforts us. We must comfort our wives. I think we understand that. We are there for them emotionally, spiritually, and physical responsibility. Uh, biggest way we can take the biggest step we can take as husbands is the step of earnestly learning to communicate with our wives amen by our faces our words our body language and time praise god and we've already talked about this uh, because men are problem solvers we've, we went through that on another point there so we won't go there number question number three <clears throat> our greatest ministry is to point out our is to point our wives to Christ, who is the ultimate comforter. Is he not? Hallelujah. Women need security. They need to be reassured. They need to be comforted. They, as we're going to find here in the last part of this chapter, if we get to, well, yeah, 
They need to be held, loved, reassured, reaffirmed. All right. Number nine, or number eight. Talking about children now. How many have children? How many have more than what you need? No, I'm teasing. Christ loves our children. We must love our children. Mark 10, 14. Did Jesus love them? Oh, man. He loved kids. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus loves the little children of the world. I sang that in the booster van. Jesus loves the little children of red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So child training, causing children to come under our control and respect our words so that they are mere, are more receptive to being discipled in God's ways. And that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're discipling, training our kids. The goal, you have them for maybe 18 years if you're lucky, maybe longer. If you're un no, I'm teasing. <laughs> we, your, your kids are going to be with you always, right? Even, you know, we've got some in their 30s and 40s now at our house, and they're, we're still, we're still, you know, doing some training sometimes, learning lessons the same way. That, didn't God know what he's doing? The reason why there's grandparents, there's parents, and then there's kids, it's all, it all flows the way that it, it should. We're there to train and, and encourage, so uh, sometimes we have to make sacrifices, and we mentioned a little bit about that a while ago, uh, because we love our children. I had a, uh, when I was in Hobbs, I had a gold wing motorcycle, 1982 or three, nearly brand new, pretty motorcycle. Sheila turned 16 and needed a car. Guess what happened? To the motorcycle. Bye-bye. <laughs> See ya. Sheila needed a car. So, again, <clears throat> children require sacrificial time. They take away flexibility and mobility. They diminish financial savings. I don't remember what the figure it is now, the cost it is to raise a child from zero to 18, but believe me, it's a lot. It's a lot. But they are. I love this. They are the greatest investment possible, aren't they? Yes. And man, and, and it's wonderful. Praise God. Question number four. Children provide one of the only investments that will bring honor both now and forever. Praise God. Christ corrects us, number nine, out of love. We must learn to correct in love. Uh, Hebrews 12, 7. Proverbs 3.12, it talks about whom the Lord loves. He does correct. Amen. So we, as, as men, sometimes have to bring correction, don't we, to our family. Number five, note that God's correction of us is because he what? Delights in us. That's the answer to number five. We're wrapping up here. Uh, and then number ten, Christ loves us unconditionally. We need to love our wives unconditionally. What's the word for unconditional love in the Greek? Brian! Good job. Agape. Agape love. That's unconditional love. That is love that says, I just love you regardless. 
I don't expect anything from you. I'm expecting nothing in return. I just love you. So many times we, we are mess, messed up in our, even as husband and wife, we do something to help her, and then we expect something in return, don't we? And it shouldn't be that way. We just love, love our wives because we love them. Unconditional love for, he says here in Romans 8, 38, 39, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We've got to love our wives every day with that agape, unconditional love. He says here at the, latter, the very last sentence uh, or two, in times of kindness or irritableness, guys, okay? Did y'all catch that? When she, even when she's kind or even when she's irritable, in fatness or thinness, in happiness or sadness, in sickness or wellness, husbands with loving spirits are irresistible. That's good, isn't it? Is that right, ladies? Yes, I heard her say that. And lastly, number 11, we're wrapping up. I know I've had to hurry these last three, but I want to try to make sure we cover at least one chapter. Every Christ doesn't expect perfection. We need to not expect our wife to be perfect. True, guys? Amen. Amen. We're not perfect, so guess what? I don't know of anyone that is except Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Last scripture, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or attained some lofty goal. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the goal? Let's make heaven together. Amen, husbands and wives. Let's, man, I've, I've read love stories where they, couples have been married 50, 60 years, and one gets ill and dies, and it's not long until the other one dies. They were so in love with each other. So, again, we're, we can't be perfect. But, uh, and we can't expect our wives to be perfect. The last number six here, the goal of discipling our wives is to be used by God to help them conform. That's the word, conform to Christ's image. And then this is in the last year of your book. You can just write these in here. Name the five things a father can do. Show love for his children. He can hold them, pray with them, plan with them, follow them, celebrate with them good stuff isn't it so hallelujah well, a little bit over here tonight but any any comments or questions on chapter 7 all right all right I want us to pray for uh, Jeff tonight for sure just I shared with some of y'all before church went and visited him there at OU uh, medical center and he's he's just 
kind of laying there at about a 45 degree angle in a neck brace, broke two of his vertebrae, got hit from behind. He was in a Suburban, hit by a Dakota pickup doing about 60 miles an hour. So it's gonna be a slow uh, healing process, but I believe God's gonna speed, speed it up, amen. So two, they, did, they fixed one vertebrae uh, during the night, uh, last night I believe it was, and they're gonna be doing another surgery tomorrow so just just keep him up he's he was in good spirits you know I, I just admire him he's just laying there can't can't move or, you know just kind of move his eyes and that's about it but he uh, he just said hey I'm here for a reason and I'm you know I'm just thankful to be alive and had it broken another somewhere there close nearby he could have been paralyzed for the rest of his life so he's He's looking on the good instead of the bad. So let's lift him up in prayer. Anybody else got a need tonight before we go? Okay, still got, what'd you say? Oh, that's right. Yeah, three funerals within just a short time. And now some of his family members have caught COVID. I want to lift up uh, Diane's uh, son. They all five or six members of the house have COVID, so let's pray for them tonight. Lord, thank you for your healing power, Lord. It's present always. We just lift up Diane's uh, family there, her son's family, Lord. Just bring them through this with flying colors, healing, fevers going down. Same with Bob's family tonight, Lord. Heal them, touch them, and Lord, this has been a, a, a rough time. Of, of death in this family just pray for comfort and strength for Bob's family and also tonight we lift up our dear brother Jeff Bolton God just touch him it's got to be tough just laying there but God you're bringing him through these surgeries guide the surgeon's hands God I just pray that that back and those vertebrae will be completely healed and even better than ever in the name of Jesus we decree it and we believe it strongly with everything within us in our heart tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.